Welcome, listeners, to another Transformation Church Sermon Podcast. Let's prepare our hearts to receive the Word of God. I don't know. That was a song intro right there. I didn't ever had a song intro. That's good. Uh, it is good to be in the house of God. Come on, can we give it up for Jesus real quick this morning? He is good. He is worthy of all praise and all honor. And I just really believe that this is an hour that we need uh, his spirit to continue to move across the planet. You can turn on the TV and see uh, we need Jesus. So we're continuing to pray. Uh, Pray for Afghanistan. Pray for Haiti. Pray for Australia. Pray for the nations. Pray for our nation. Pray for our neighborhood. And, uh, and, And if you were wondering what we're doing, we aren't just, we're praying, but we're also uh, acting as well. I think God calls us to do both, pray and act. And so uh, we are part of an organization, or you, you support as a church, an organization called World Compassion. And World Compassion's uh, mission is to go into nations that are hostile to the gospel. Um, I know you, Mark and Betsy are right here. They were missionaries in Afghanistan uh, for years. Doctors in Afghanistan really uh, brought freedom, helped bring freedom into uh, Kabul, and to, uh, uh, Kabul and some of the different areas there. And um, just powerful uh, missionaries. So if you want to know about missions, I was praying about missions today. You go talk to these guys that, that gave their life in a, in a country when it wasn't as free, but they saw that come onto the planet. But, but the thing is, World Compassion, there's about 150 families right now uh, that take about $500 a month of support. And so our guys, uh, Jason Law, Chris Hart, and some of the organization are in Afghanistan. They're on the ground. And um, they right now are helping uh, uh, traffic and, 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 and getting... getting uh, uh, different people that are in danger of their life out of the country. Um, they're supporting, they have 150 families they've identified. And so I just want you to know that we are really rescuing people right now, uh, that people, uh, Christians there are preparing to die. And, uh, and so I don't know what you complained about yesterday, um, but uh, we, we're good. <laughs> And so I just, I mean, it's just real. And, and so we, we, we need to continue to pray and uh, lift, not just Afghanistan, but across the country. And uh, I just want to say thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your giving, because every time you give, I'll keep you more updated. But as you're giving here as a church, uh, we are supporting people in Afghanistan and across the planet. And uh, they are, you'll, you'll see some more updates, but they are getting people out right now, helping them get to different areas in, in the nation uh, to get to safety. We're going to jump into the word, and I think the word, we're in a series called Anchored, and just really looking at the reality that we need an anchor, and and I've said it every week, like, you turn on the news, you look at what's happening in the planet, and you and I, we need an anchor, and it's easy to drift. It's Paul knew it was easy to get pulled, and so you go to the beach, you swim, you kind of get pulled, you look up, and your towel and your tent are way down the beach, right? And so you, you, you don't necessarily get, get sucked out to sea, usually you get pulled down from the current and you look up and you're lateral to where you started. And so I think a lot of times in our walk with God, we get lateral to where we actually started with God. It's not just that we get into horrific sin and get way backslidden or way out to sea. It's like we get pulled where we're just now parallel to what God was actually doing in our life at times. And so we need an anchor. We need a a mile marker. We need something to bring our attention back to what holds us and the only thing that can hold us. And that's Jesus. Paul in the book of Hebrews went through uh, and, and showed us and told us in, in chapter one, Jesus, Jesus is superior, he's sufficient. Chapter two, Jesus is sympathizing, he became a man. Chapter one, he's superior, sufficient, supreme. Chapter two, he's a human, he's man. And so since he's a man, he can sympathize with what you go through as a man or woman. And since he can sympathize and understand what you go through, he can actually help you. He's the only one that actually can. And so then chapter three, Paul goes to tell us that Jesus is a son, 
and that we're sons and daughters, and we get access to sonship. And so since we have sonship or daughterhood or we're part of the family, we can actually enter into rest. And so all of chapter four is about rest, God's rest. Anybody, anybody could use some rest right now? Come on. Anybody didn't put your hand up, you're lying, because I need rest. Like, you need some, we need rest. Like, I don't know what it's rest from. It's not, you know, sometimes we just need rest in our souls, right? And so, and so God says in chapter 4 that there's this access to rest. Chapter 4, I'm going to begin in verse 1. I'm just going to go through uh, verse 3, and then I'm going to kind of hit a little bit of different verses throughout and, um, and, and give you some thoughts on faith and what it looks like to rest. Uh, Hebrews chapter four, verse one, it says, therefore, we looked at this last week, therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear or let us be careful, lest any of you seem to have come short of it. It actually, they thought that the rapture had taken place. They thought that Jesus had already come back. And so Paul says, listen, be careful. Don't suppose, come short of it means suppose that you'd missed it. Don't, Don't suppose you'd miss God's rest. Don't suppose that you'd miss God's care. You can live day in, day in and day out, and sometimes we can suppose that God doesn't care about us. Sometimes we can go through situations and suppose that we just missed the God, God really caring about our situation. Paul says, be careful. Don't suppose that you missed his rest. Verse 2, for indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. He's talking about uh, the Old, Old Testament saints, the, uh, God's people, the Jews. God, for indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. Somebody say, mixed with faith. Not being mixed with faith with those who heard it. It did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. For we have believed, for we who have believed do enter that rest, as he has said, so I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although the works were finished from the foundations of the world. My title for today, very simple, Mixed Messages. Mixed Messages. Mixed Messages. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you, Jesus, that we can look to you today, that you are our anchor, that you do hold us steady, that we choose to not harden our heart. We choose to hear you. We choose to hold on to you. We choose to grip onto you, Jesus, and no other system except your system of grace. We thank you for your message today in Jesus' name. Amen? Uh, mixed messages. Come on, if you're a human, you've experienced mixed messages. Anytime uh, you interact, I don't know whether you're dating or you're trying to date. Come on, sometimes you get mixed messages. Somebody, she talked to me yesterday. She ain't talking to me now. They answered my text and now they, they, they put me, they're, they're not answering my text. You know, they were nice. This, uh, you're, if you're a husband and wife, your relationship, there's mixed messages. Sometimes your wife says, hey, what do you think about this? And you begin to tell her. And she says, I just wanted you to listen. That's a mixed message. You know, you know, sometimes, you know, men, we, we, you know, we, we can, we can give mixed messages and, and, and there's just mixed messages when it comes to humanity. And, and here's the, here's the key. If you're going to have successful unity and successful relationship and get everything you need out of the relationship, the message that you, the message that you send needs to be mixed with, with good posture and good interaction and good eye contact and, 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 and good uh, social cues. And there's these messages that we send that create healthy interaction and bring healthy relationships so people can receive the message, so we can receive the message, and there's mixed message. Every message we work through, every message that we walk in is mixed with something, right? Paul's saying literally that they, they, they were preached the gospel, they received the message of the gospel, but it didn't profit because it wasn't mixed with faith. That there was nothing right that was mixed into it. That they had this message. Literally, the message is when it says not being mixed with, that word is saliva or digestive juices. 
that Paul literally says that they heard the gospel but didn't mix it with the digestive juices of faith, with the saliva of faith. Come on, you should be drooling a little bit in here when you're coming into worship. Like, the, like there, was no, there was no mixture, and, and, and the reality is, scientifically, if you try to eat meat or you try to eat something and you don't mix it with digestion or digestive juices, you die. Like, your body can't handle it. It's, it's scientific. You see food, and your brain subconsciously begins to release. I'm, you're, some of y'all are looking at that watermelon. I'm excited about this watermelon right here. I am, I am pumped up about that. It's so juicy. It looks so good. And, 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 and sometimes we see that food, your mouth begins to kind of salivate a little bit. You begin to think about your favorite food. Come on, I don't know what it is that makes you salivate, but you think and some drool just happens, right? You ever had a little drool just drop out of your mouth on accident? You're getting ready to eat dinner? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> just, that's mouth-watering good. Look at somebody say, that's mouth-watering good. It's science. It's subconscious. Your body begins to release saliva, and the saliva actually has these enzyme proteins in it called amylase that actually begin to help break down the food before it gets to your digestive tract so that you can receive all the nutrients that is intended for you to receive out of that food. God built your body that way. Paul's saying literally that you and I need to mix the messages that we hear of church and worship and singing and me praying and you praying and the gospel and rest and all of that. It has to be mixed with faith that they heard those promises. The Old Testament Jews heard the promises but didn't mix it with faith, didn't believe that God would never leave. Saw miracles, saw signs and wonders, but somehow it didn't profit them because they heard the word, but they didn't heed the word. They still worried. Come on, I'm not... I'm not going to ask you to put your hands up. Any warriors in the house? Come on. They still complained. They still got scared. They still wondered, is, is, is I'm, am I going to die in the desert? Like, I'm still, and faith wasn't mixed into the message. So Paul's teaching us that actually we have to have faith mixed in. It didn't profit them. There was no saliva. There was no drooling over the message of God. There was no anticipation. And it's dangerous to come to church and ingest all this without this faith in your life. Some kind of foods that make you drool. I don't know, ribs, anybody? Come on, mouth-watering. You go to get one bite and just all, you can just tell. I say something to my dog. I got a dog. I say, treat. <laughs> just all I say the word treat. Just starts drooling, just starts coming out of her mouth. Come on, is this a treat to you? Is this worship team singing the presence of God into the room? Is it a treat to us? It's, it's, it's lifting our, is it just some songs we do before the word or is it, are we drooling at the possibility of the impossible and that God can show up and do anything in this place? <laughs> Miracles can happen. And I, I just got some thoughts through the scriptures. I'm going through Hebrews and here's some thoughts about faith through Hebrews chapter four. Just some, some thoughts to know if you actually have faith mixed with the message. Number one, faith is expectant. Come on, when, I, when I'm about to eat something good, or I'm, I'm, ex, I'm looking at this watermelon, I'm going to eat this in a minute. I'm, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm expectant. Like some, when you're getting ready to go to your favorite food or your favorite restaurant, you're expectant. I mean, you know you, do, you, you save room all day long. You're, you're preparing. You're thinking about what you're going to order. You're thinking about where you're, how, to, how to get an attack plan for that meal, for that all-you-can-eat. There's, there's an expectation. There's a preparation. There's a passion about it. Come on. Faith has an expectation and a passion. You should be coming in here, and I should be coming here ready for worship and going, man, I'm expecting something. I believe, oh, I'm excited. What's going to happen? Like, I think God's going to show up and something could happen. 
There's a preparation and expectation. I've got some napkins up here. You know, I've got, I'm going I'm to, come on, I'm getting, you get prepared for worship. Come on, I don't know. I got, there's supposed to be a fork and knife up here somewhere. There it is right here. Here we go. Little, this is, this is the thing. Have you ever seen anybody eat watermelon with a fork and knife? Have you ever seen anybody eat ribs with a fork and knife? You need to pray for them. They need delivered. No, 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 no. Well, I'm just prepared. No, you're not. You're, you're precautious. Some of y'all are so have so much precaution when it comes to worship. You have so much precaution when it comes, when it comes to, to, to putting your hands in the air, getting expectant about what God could do. Or so you're, you're kind of nervous that God didn't answer your prayer last year, so you're just not even going to pray it this year. You got your fork and knife. You want all the place settings. You want everything neat. You want all the answers. You, want, you know, faith is messy, somebody. Come on, there, you, you, don't, you don't get when it comes to faith. You know, I'm still going to expect God, even when it's messy. I'm still going to get into... That's good. There's this, there's this expectation. Come on, you're coming here going, I know I don't have it all figured out, God. I know life is messy a little bit, but I'm expecting, God, I'm expecting. Even in the middle of my mess, I'm going to mix faith with it and put my hands in the air and worship and sing the songs. It's not just words. It's faith. It's saliva. Come on, faith is God's digestive juice. Literally, all of a sudden, you begin to put faith and you begin to digest with passion, not just precaution, but passion, going, God, I believe you can do a miracle. God, I need you. Look what David said in Psalm 27, 13. I'm just trying to get your faith to rise up today, get your expectation to rise up, even though it's messy. Come on, life is messy. We don't have all the answers, but I'm still willing to say like David, I would have lost heart. I would have lost my mind unless I had to believe that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Come on, I'm expectant. I'm expectant for God's goodness in my life today. Number two, faith is expressive. Uh-oh. I watched some of y'all worship. Coming for you today. I'm telling you, you're more expressive over an orange jersey scoring a touchdown than you are the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You are. You're more expressive over your favorite team, over your, over your favorite hobby. You are, and somehow we've been trained that when it comes to Jesus, when it comes to God, that we aren't expressive. Of course, talking about lifting our hands to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the one that deserves all praise and all worship. And you, you can come in here and just look, but that's not expressive. That's not mixing faith. That's not saliva. That's not drooling over. That's not, I'm expressive. Come on, you ever, who, who hums when they eat? Mm. Mm. If you don't make noise when you eat, I don't trust you. I don't want to eat with you. There's this, there's this expression. If you know, if when my wife cooks with the crock pot, man, I walk home, I come in the house, and man, I mean, it's a, it's a cacophony of, of, of flavors in the house. I just, I don't ignore that. I'm like, oh, babe, it smells good in here. Woo! It's gonna be good tonight, baby. I smell it. Oh, I, I begin to eat that. Mmm, mmm, mmm. 
it's good. I mean, the symphonic expression of flavors bursting in my mouth. You know what I'm saying? And I get done and it's a big old burp. Big old belch. In China and Taiwan, that's the biggest compliment you can give the chef. They take it as a, as a compliment in those nations. It's, it's a compliment. Come on, listen to me. We should be some big birchy believers, big belchy believers in here. Big old burpy believers. Birchy, that's a new word. Belch and burp. Big belchy believers. I'm just saying, like, it's a compliment to God when you're expressive. It's saying, God, I know you're cooking something up. I know I'm going to walk into that room and your presence is going to be there. I know I'm going to come down for prayer. And, oh, it's good, God. Something can happen. I would have fainted if I hadn't believed. I'm expecting. I'm expressive. Come on. I know it's not just a personality thing. Come on. I know I'm fired up. But it's not, it's not just a personality thing. It's an expression. It's a compliment. It's saying, God, I know that you're working something good in my life. I can't see all of it, but I'm going to express it because I know it's going to taste good. I'm going to dine on it. I'm going to worship. I'm going to express it to you. I'm actually going to lean in. Listen, when you express to God that way, whatever you lean into, it leans into you. And so as you lean in, I mean, worship is a lean in. It's a, it's a posture. Why do we go to the altar? Why do we go to communion? Why do we call people down? Why do we put our hand? It's a lean in. And as you lean in, God leans into you. And when you mix faith with it, it's, dige- it's digestion. And now your body can actually begin, your spirit and soul can actually begin to digest and get the nutrients and all the things that God designed for you to uptake in this thing called worship in Jesus. It mixes together. I just think you gotta, you got to press in. Psalm 95.1, it says, Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. We express ourselves, and literally we begin to digest it. They heard the message of rest and God and freedom and power and miracles. They heard it, but they didn't heed it. The next thing, the third thing, faith is, faith is responsive. It's expressive, but it's also responsive. Like, I think we've got to respond. I don't know what God's asking from you or for you or of you, but, but I, I remember in my life, I was an addict at one point in my life. And my ho- entire existence was a response to needing a fix. My entire, ex- my entire existence, my day, how to get money, how to get a fix, how to get a hit, how to, how to figure it out. My whole life was a response to a chemical need in my body. My whole, my whole life, it, people say that addicts aren't disciplined. We would discipline. We get up thinking about it. We go to bed thinking about it. We, we, will, we will figure out how to, how to do whatever we need to do. We'll mow some lawn. We'll clean some gutters. We'll steal. We'll rob. We'll beg. We'll, we'll do whatever. And, 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 you, and, and the whole, your whole life, if anybody's ever been an addict, you know what I'm talking about. Or if you've known an addict, you know what I'm talking about. And everything of our existence, of their existence, is a response. And so now we're Christians. Now we're believers. And I don't know what you were addicted to. Everybody's got an addiction to something. Come on, somebody, because you're human. And the only reality is that, that fills every addiction is Jesus. And so, so, and so literally, that now that we're a believer, I'm addicted to getting a fix and responding to God's word and the Holy Spirit and what he wants to do in this day and in this moment. I come up on people all the time. They'll be like, well, pastor, you're, oh, you're, would you pray for this? And would you pray for that? I'm like, yeah, let me pray for that. I'll, I'll pray for that. Like, oh, thank, they're like, thank you, pastor. Thank you. I'm like, come on, in my eye, I get that, I get the addict look in my eye. Like, like Father God. <laughs> you know, they're like, oh, you mean right, you mean right now? You gonna pray right now? Like it's we're like right now, we're in public, like we're at the store, like we're in the parking, like I'm an addict. You're talking to an addict. You don't realize that I need a fix. I need a Holy Spirit word. I got to 
respond to what God is saying. You need prayer. I'm going to respond. I think God is looking for some faith people that will be Holy Spirit addicts and that you won't be worried about everything else that you can say, I'm going to respond when Holy Spirit speaks. I'm going to respond. I'm going to pray for him in the parking lot. I'm going to take it out of the walls of the church. I'm going to sign up. I'm going to out. Come on, outreach should be like a rack of ribs to you. I'm fired up today. I just, I think that we need to respond. Man, some of y'all are so scared to respond. I don't know what it looks like for you. When you hear his voice respond, Paul's saying, respond. When you smell worship, you should begin to salivate a little bit. Like, like do you know that worship, we, we have worship before uh, that starts at 10? <laughs> and then we do the preaching. So it does, like worship starts at 10. Love y'all. Some of y'all roll in here like, well, we'll get these just the songs. It's just the songs before. We're just going to get there for the message. And it's the time to lift our hands to the living God, to worship Almighty. You, you ain't late for your appointments tomorrow. How is that business client more important than the King of Kings? All right, I'll go home in a minute. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not trying to mess with you. I'm just trying to encourage. I want to encourage your faith. Like there's, there's, a, there's a response. There's some things that God wants you to respond to. Paul's saying it's better to, it's better, listen, it's better not to hear the word over and over and over and over if you're not going to heed the word. It's better for me not to preach about worship and giving and tithing. It's better for you not to hear that and say, you know, amen, tithing, yeah, amen. Or amen, getting on a serve team. Amen, going to outreach. Amen, let's respond. It's better for you not to hear that over and over and over. Paul says they heard it over and over, didn't eat it. It was like eating steak without digestive juice, and their life got worse. I promise you, it would be better, it would be better for you not to hear it if you're not going to eat it. And it's dangerous for me as your pastor to preach it if you aren't going to heed it, because then the button of, of the battle begins between you and the devil and the Holy Spirit. And so if I preach it and you have no intention of heeding it, all of a sudden now the devil has a heyday. But if I preach it and you've got faith mixed with it, you go, I'm going to respond, I'm going to heed it. All of a sudden now the Holy Spirit begins to give you the power and the energy and the nutrients you need to get peace in your soul, to get rest in your mind. Come on, y'all with me today? I think that there's rest for you. Paul says it's by mixing it with faith. Verse three and four, I'm gonna go on to the rest. I got 16 more verses to cover right now. Verse three and four, it says, for we who believed do enter that rest. So I swore my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although the works were finished before the foundations of the world, for he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. He says, although the works were finished, and from the foundation of the world, God rested on the seventh day. What he's saying is, you're God's workmanship. That you were finished and you were done at the foundations of the world. That the work Jesus did from the foundation, the Lamb of God was slain from the foundation of the world. You were complete, the workmanship of God, you were complete from the foundations of the world. That you can actually rest in the fact that you're completed. That you're created and completed in God. That you can figure out your design in Jesus. You can rest in that. What that really means is this, that, that, that rest... That Sabbath is not a Sunday, it's a sun. And so faith is relational. 
Very simply, faith is relational. Like as you get into this thing, there's a relationship with Jesus. As you begin to respond and be expressive and and be engaged and be expectant, there's a relationship. Verse 6, it says, since therefore it remains that some must interest, that's you and I, it's talking about us, that we must interest, and those to whom it was first preached did not enter because of disobedience. What disobedience? A lot of times we think disobedience is all these little things we do. It's not. The disobedience of unbelief. They didn't enter into relational rest because they were disobedient in believing that God was for them and with them and that God was their father and God had them in the desert. And, and there was this, this, this disobedience. You know, disobedience, a lack of relationship with Jesus always leads to disobedience. And what we want to do oftentimes is put rules and religion around us, but rest is more relational than it is religious. And so he's saying that there's this rest in Jesus. David said it this way in verse 7. David spoke of this rest 200 years after Joshua took them into the promised land. Verse 8, Joshua did not give them rest. So all of God's people were waiting on this promised rest in the promised land. And David speaks up and says, 200 years after Joshua, hey, they didn't get rest. Joshua didn't give it. Oh, the promised land, the promised land, the promised job, the promised relationship, the promised amount of money, the promised raise, the promised bonus, the promise. And a lot of times we're waiting on the promised land of something when rest is actually in a person named Jesus. And David said there was no rest that Joshua gave him. But then in verse 9 and 10, it's beautiful. It says, there remains therefore a rest for the people of God, for us. Verse 10, for he who has entered his rest, God's rest, it's capital H, has, has himself also ceased from his works, listen to this, as God did from his. I mean, think about this. It's saying that God entered rest, so therefore we can enter his rest. Did, was God tired on the seventh day? Why does, it, why does it talk about God entering rest? What it's saying is that God said, it's finished, I'm done, I'm gonna rest. It's complete, it's done. What I did in Jesus, what I did in your life, what I did in creation, it is complete, it's beautiful, it's good, I'm gonna rest. He modeled that for you and I. It was a model. It wasn't that he needed rest. It was that he was giving you and I permission to quit striving. And that that, that our life is complete and that we could actually be satisfied in our relationship with Jesus. That we can actually rest in a relationship with God. He's saying just as, as if you'll enter into that relationship with Jesus, you can actually cease from your own works. Cease from trying to make yourself good. Cease from trying to do it all right. You've got permission to stop striving. But verse 11 makes, us, makes it look contradictory. He says this. He goes, therefore, let us therefore strive. <laughs> let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same pattern of disobedience. I think sometimes with the striving he's talking about, sometimes we strive to pray more to get rest. We strive to do better, be holier to get rest. We strive to, to sin less. And we strive to get to, come on we got to worship harder. I know I'm saying be, be expressive and all that, but that's not where rest comes from. The only striving we're called to do is striving to believe Jesus better, to believe that he's gooder, to believe that he's holy, to believe that he's everything, that you and I would strive. And so, so faith in your walk with God, faith, faith is surrender. That you would actually just strive to surrender, strive to believe, strive to rest, surrender to Jesus more. Our only striving is to believe Jesus better. I don't know what you're striving for today, but I'm telling you, if you'll strive to surrender to him, check out this little, this little image we have here. This is an ocean riptide. You ever seen these when you go to the beach? 
It's very interesting. If you get taken into this rip current and it starts pulling you out to sea, look, look at the pattern of this thing. And look at what it says. If caught in a rip current, don't fight the current. Swim out of the current to the shore. If you can't escape, float or tread water. If you need help, call. Well, that makes sense. <laughs> Let me pull out my cell phone. <laughs> I'm going to wave. But so often, just the natural advice you've all read going into the beach, we ignore it in our day-to-day living. So often, we fight against the rip currents of life. We're swimming and trying harder and striving, and I'm going to make it. And and you're worn out emotionally, spiritually. You're worn out physically. You're tired of serving God because you've been striving. And God's saying, would you just surrender and trust that I can get you out of the rip current and back around to the ocean? Just float a little bit. Just tread a little bit if you need to. I got you. That's what I want to strive is to hold on to Jesus, to rest, to relax, to strive, to keep believing that I'm a son, that he's God, that I have access to rest. I've got access to peace. I have access to the family. Man, I can rest in that. No matter what the devil's throwing at you. My brother used to have to strive for rest because we told him he was adopted all the time. Like, you ain't part of the family. He could never rest. Some of you, the devil throws so many lies to you and says, you're not part of the family. You're not. You're too dirty. You're this and you're that. You're this and you're that. Rest comes when you know that God is your father and that he's good. That's where rest comes. I'm almost done. Got a couple more verses. Famous verse in Hebrews 4.12. You all know it. And and again, you've got to stick with me. This is the context of rest. We've preached these out of context. This is the context of of relational rest with Jesus. Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is living and powerful, active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing and even dividing the the soul and the spirit. What does that mean? Like we've always preached it like the word of God, sharp and powerful, active, quicker than the two, sharper than the two-edged sword, piercing and dividing the spirit. Like we love that sounds great. Like, whoa, but you all quote that. I'm like, I have no idea what that means. And, And what it means is that your spirit was dead. Before you accepted a relationship with Jesus Christ and your spirit had fallen into your soul and your spirit and soul were, 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 were one and then there was no difference and then literally that you were led, your life was led by your soul, your emotions, your mind, your will. You were up and down. Come on, our souls are roller coasters, up and down, up and down, up and down. No rest. David said, why are you down on my soul? Why are you disheartened, oh, my soul? Come on, our souls are on these roller coaster rides. But when you got saved and you got into a relationship with Jesus, it separated your spirit and your soul. It brought your spirit out of your soul. Now you can be led by the spirit of God, the word of God, the power of God. Your spirit is in charge. That's what that verse is talking about. So in the context of rest, that you now can actually rest with the spirit leading your life and the spirit making decisions for your life. And you can actually submit to the spirit of God because it's alive in your life. Faith is submitted. Faith is surrendered. Faith is submitted. I don't know if anybody does jujitsu. I used to do jujitsu some. These black belts in jujitsu, they were like 15 moves ahead of you. It was a chess game. They'd be messing with my ankle and then choke me out where I can't breathe in my neck. I'm like, how are you messing with my foot? And now I can't breathe up here. Because there were so many moves ahead of me. Can I tell you that God's a trillion moves ahead of you? And that some of the things that are happening in your life are to get you to submit to his spirit. And you go, why are all these things happening? God's going, because I got you. And if you would actually submit, I'll actually get you to where you need to be. Set you up for submission. God's setting you up for submission. I know it doesn't sound good all the time, but some of the things that are happening in your life are just a setup to submit you. The Bible says that they were, that everything, let me read this verse to you, right up. It says, verse 12, it says, the word is, is, 
It, the word is actually a discerner. I've got a few minutes. Y'all with me still? The word is a discerner, so it, it divides spirit and soul, verse 12. And it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So the way we've preached that for years is like, God knows what you're thinking. God knows your motives. That's not the context. The context is rest. What it's saying is that now that your spirit is removed out of your soul and that you can be led by the spirit, the word of God and the relationship with Jesus is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of your heart. That the word, that it can discern when you're being led by anything other than the spirit. That the word of God can discern and tell you when you're trusting any other power than the relationship you have with Jesus. And then it can discern when you're trusting in your own strength and know that now you're getting out of rest because you aren't trusting in God and what he has for you. And God wants you to get back to that place of submission. Verse 13, no creature is hidden from his sight, but all things are naked. This, oh, I say naked, but it's naked. <laughs> no creature is hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him whom we must give account. Again, we preach it like he sees everything. You better, you better be careful. It's the context of relationship. It's the context of rest that everything is naked. He sees you. He knows you're good, bad, and ugly and still loves you. That you would surrender and submit to that, that God loves you no matter what you've done, what you did. He knows and loves you still. It says everything is, is naked and open. The word open is actually to twist the neck and expose the throat to win and submit you in a wrestling match. That everything in your life that God is working by the relationship and the Holy Spirit is to get you to an open place of surrender and submittedness. I know that doesn't sound gracious, but it is. <laughs> Sometimes we want to fight against our own good, right? God's going, if you just submit to me and just trust me, just trust me. Verse 14, it says, seeing then we have a great high priest who passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Let us hold on to the work, his kids. Let us hold on that Jesus is the supreme being, that he's everything, that he's what we need. Verse 15, we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but also in all points was tempted as yet was it without sin. It's saying he knows the power of trial and temptation you're going through right now. He knows exactly what you're crying about right now. And he never gave up on you. And so you don't need to let failure diminish your faith. Rest in the fact that he knows and he's been through it. Hold on to him. In verse 16, here's the climax of chapter one through four. All four chapters in Hebrews, the first four chapters, this is the climax right here. Paul says, let us therefore come boldly or continuously to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace and power in time of need. Paul says, I said everything in the first four chapters to say this. I told you that he's sufficient. He's supreme. He's a son. He's a man. You can cling to him. There's rest in him. I said all that. Therefore, therefore, so that now you could come boldly to the throne of grace and receive grace and mercy in time of need. But my, la my, last, just my last thought for today, it's done, and I'm done. I'm going to pray for you. I promise. We're not going to go back into a song today because we're over time a little bit. We had a song. We, we've worshiped. I've Faith is governed by grace. It says he's on a throne of grace. That you and I would come boldly. Your whole faith existence should be governed by grace. A throne is a place of rulership, a place of reigning, a place of government. It doesn't say that he's on the throne of judgment. There's another place for unbelievers for that. But for us, he's on a throne of grace. He's on a throne of goodness. He's on a throne of mercy. And that your faith should be governed by that fact. So now you can run to it in time of need and that you would receive help. It actually means that he would run at your cry, that you would run at him and he would run at you. 
a throne of grace. Not a throne of religion, not a throne of rules. It doesn't even say a throne of holiness. You better run to the throne of holiness and get some holiness. It's not what it says. Because holiness stems from the power of grace. That you would run to the throne of grace. God has a chair called the throne of grace. There's just something about a man's chair. I know y'all are going to be like, that's sexist. There's something about a woman's chair too, okay? Smaller, daintier, more flowery. <laughs> I don't know. Could be leather. <laughs> I like leather chairs. I have a big leather chair in my office, in my house. Nobody sits in that chair. It's my chair. It's awkward if somebody sits in that chair. It's a little, I'm a little uneasy. Got a chair in my office. A few years ago, my wife and I were counseling somebody, and we were both together. Usually, it's just me. We were together. They sat in my chair because it was the only single chair, and we sat in the... I was, I was on edge the whole time. Like, they're... <laughs> I couldn't even hear what they're saying. I'm counseling about some life situation. I'm like, they're in my chair. I couldn't even focus. <laughs> it's huge. <laughs> we used to go out to, to eat. My daughter would save the chair for me. And when one of the boys would try to get in the chair, she would scream. I could hear her from the other side of the restaurant. That's daddy's chair. <laughs> Can I just say to you that when anything other than grace is on the throne of your faith, everything's uncomfortable. Everybody's uneasy. And the Holy Spirit's screaming, that's grace's chair. That's grace's chair. I just want to pray for you today. Maybe some of you feel like you're in a riptide and you just are fighting against life. If some of you need to surrender to Jesus for the first time, like, God, I just need you to take my life. Like, I surrender it to you. I'm tired of like, leading my own life I don't know maybe some of you just need to to rest and realize that man I can rest in being a son or daughter of God let me pray for you real quick Father thank you for this day thank you for grace thank you that you rule our life from a throne of grace we give you glory and honor and praise today we need you in our life. We thank you that you promised rest for our souls and rest for our minds. Thank you that our faith is going to be expressive and responsive and, and it's going to be expected. We expect you to do miracles today. We expect to be different today. We're going to just, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to have a little bit of drool when it comes to the, your things, God, like when it comes to prayer and like, we're going to get excited about, we're going to, Lord, we're just, we're just going to leave here new today. No one looking around real quick. If you're in this place, I don't want to embarrass you or stand you up or bring you forward. But if you'd say, you know what, pastor, I need a fresh start in God. I'm ready to surrender my life. I, I've been leading my own life. I've been fighting against the current. I'm ready to actually let God lead my life. I need a fresh start. The Bible says if you would give your life to Jesus this morning, you get a fresh start in God. Not about fixing your life up or cleaning your life or doing better. Jesus did it all and that you could actually rest in that and surrender today. If that's you, no one look around. Would you put your hand up to me right now? Pray for me, Pastor. I need a fresh start in Jesus today. I need a fresh start with God. Awesome. Awesome. I'm going to pray a real quick prayer. And if you need to put your hand up. Put your hand up. Put your heart up in this prayer right now. If you're online and you need a, to surrender, you need a fresh start with God, would you just type in, I need a fresh start with God. I'm ready to surrender to Jesus being my Lord and Savior. Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Jesus, we look to you today. We respond to you. We thank you that you died on the cross. You removed our sin, shame, and guilt. And you gave us grace, power to have a brand new heart and a brand new life. I surrender to you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for a fresh start today. I give you all the glory and praise and honor. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, everyone. Amen.
Amen. Amen. Awesome. I love you guys. Listen to me. We're going we're gonna to go ahead and, and roll out. But before you do, our prayer, our ministry team is down here. And so they're going to linger for a while. If you need prayer for anything today, they'd love to pray with you right after service. And so uh, I'm so proud of some of you that said yes. If you need to say yes to Jesus and you didn't, man, come on down here and let these guys pray with you. they got a free book for you. It's called Fresh Start. They'd love to walk that out with you. And then, and then if you need prayer at all, come and let those guys talk to you and pray for you. Guest in the house. Come on, give our guests one more hand. Thanks for being here today. It's an honor that you're here with us. We got a gift for you at our, at our guest area. It's a cool t-shirt. We put that in your hands and uh, we'd love to meet you out there. And then listen, we don't pass buckets. We give as we go. You can give at the doors online. Thank you for your generosity. Have an awesome week. Come and grab some prayer if you need it. Communion's also open. We love you guys. Have an awesome week. Thank you for listening to another Transformation Church sermon podcast. If you would like someone to pray with you or if you would like some ministry materials, please email us at hello at transformationchurch.us.